Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Sometimes there are people that like you tell them, look, the Bible says this, yeah, but. If you're a yeah, but Christian, you're not letting his word be the authority. God's word has to be the authority. Don't be a yeah, but Christian. You'll be sorry if you're a yeah, but. If you're someone that says, I know he said, but don't be like that. You will always lose in that exchange. God's authoritative and you want to let him be the authority in your life. Even if you don't let him be the authority in your life, you will find that you were wrong and he was right eventually. If you were convicted and charged by a judge and jury, the last thing that would help clear your case would be, yeah, but as an excuse. Likewise, when it comes to scripture and the authority of God's word, each and every line is incontestable and final. Pastor Bill will implore you not to be a yeah, but Christian, but to take God's word for what it is, absolute authority. In his study, you'll learn the importance of revering God's word with integrity and without compromise in your walk. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter one, as he continues his message, a picture of Jesus. So when he went on to the Lord on your behalf, he was interceding for you. And then when he came to you on God's behalf, he was telling you what God said to do. Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm that to you now. I'm everything. I'm your high priest. I'm, I'm interceding. I'm keeping you right. Jude tells us that now unto him who is able to present you faultless. That's amazing to me that with all my faults, Jesus is going to present me faultless. No faults. Um, every one of us, every one of us has believed in Jesus with all of our flaws, all of our shortcomings. He is going to present you faultless. That means when I stand before a holy God one day and I know what a mess I've been, God says, I'll be, you'll be faultless. The blood of Jesus washed you of all your sins, accepted in the beloved because of him. I need to know that about him so I can be thankful. Amen. Uh, it's also, there's a security in that. Uh, I understand that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to make it on my merit. So I don't get to be proud. Even if you're doing great, and many of us, as God gets a hold of our lives and the work of sanctification, we're not what we were. And you get going quite a few years, and you're, you're very different from what you used to be. Um, but we got to make sure that we give credit to who it belongs to. It's him that's working in us. It's the work of sanctification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't get to become holier than thou. I don't want to look my nose down on people that are getting started. Sometimes that's what happens in the church. The older saints are looking down on those that are trying to get going. And they feel judged and snubbed. And we're, we've, we've forgotten that, man, this, we didn't, I didn't do this. I was the Holy, it was a been a work of the Holy Spirit. And it, took, it took years to get here. Um, so there should be a humility about our holiness. Amen? Because ain't nobody here holy on their own merit. Anything holy about you, God did it. We let them. We yielded. But God did the work. Amen? So he's girded about the chest with a golden band. Verse 14 his head, this is going to be important, I'll break this one down. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. Let's deal with the hair first. So I, I, we got my people, my people, my people. There are a lot of people that say, this is how we know that Jesus was black. Hair like wool, that is nappy hair, no doubt, Jesus was black, take that. Now, go back and read it. His head and his hair, it didn't say it was nappy like wool, 
was textured like wool, it was what? White, like wool. So people are picking the wrong thing to focus on. So the focus is the color, not the texture. I'm sorry if I ruined your image today, but, uh, it, you know, uh, who was that? Uh, who was that? Florida Evans had the, the black Jesus on the air. So I'm so sorry. It's not the case, right? It's his head and hair were white like wool. It speaks of his purity. That's what it speaks of. And we know this about Christ, that he was absolutely pure and holy, not a blemish, not a flaw, no sin, no, nothing tainted about him. And so when it says his head and his hair were white like wool, it's pointing to that part of who he is. Perfect, holy, sinless, uh, absolutely pure. Uh, anybody here that's ever worn all white? It's very easy to get dirty. And if you get dirty, it's going to show right away. Um, and so that's the, that's why the imagery is is white like wool. This is, is perfectly holy. And if it was anything dirty or blemished, it would be easily seen here. His head and his hair were white like wool. Jesus is absolutely pure, absolutely holy. That's who he is. Again, we're getting a picture of Jesus. Remember that when you pull up in prayer. Remember that when you when you speak to the Lord, he is pure and he is holy. Um, that's who he is. No sin in him. Then it says the next part. His eyes are like a flame of fire. That speaks of his all-knowing, all-seeing, that, that he, he sees all and he knows all. If you're writing notes, I would ask you to write down Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 right here. And it says this, Hebrews 4, 13, it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So when it says his eyes are like a flame of fire, this is not a description of Jesus' eye color. This is a description of what his eyes do. They see all and they know all. Their eyes are like a flame of fire. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So that's either a fearful thing or a comforting thing. All things are naked and open. Anybody here has ever felt like, you know, as you're going through something, you know, that like, like God doesn't see it. God doesn't see everything. Eyes like a flame of fire. Anybody here been falsely accused or wrongly accused? God's like, I see exactly. I see beneath the surface. I see what you can't even see. I see not just what they did, but why they did it. My eyes, his eyes are like a flame of fire. He knows all and he sees all. Nothing is hidden from his sight. What should that do for us? What, what, what's the response to that? Me knowing that his eyes are like a flame of fire, it should impact how I walk day to day. As a believer, when I'm walking and living my life, I may have spaces and times where nobody else sees, but who always sees? And so it's been said that integrity is what you do when nobody else is watching. Some people can be good when people are watching. When I was a kid, I was a disciplined cleaner when my mom was watching me clean. I was scrub, double check, scrub. But then if she was gone and left me the same task, I'm going to be real. I was not so diligent. It was like, I wiped it, I cleaned it, I scrubbed it, you know, not as diligent. Same with school. If you're doing, you know, schoolwork and teachers right there breathing over your neck, you know, okay, I'm, I'm studious, I'm doing it, you know, let her leave the class. Another person. I wasn't saved yet, don't judge me. That was my, you know, scenario at school. But as a believer, my God is always watching. And I got to check my motives because God knows not just what I do, but why I do it. I was satisfied at a point in my walk with the Lord that I 
I got a hold of my tongue. For, for those that didn't know me, I, I, my, my mind was always thinking in the realm of comeback. I bag on people in my mind. I grew up my whole life, me and my sister, and the way we, 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 we like to laugh. And we, a lot of times, the way we got laughs, we bagged on each other, made fun of one another or other people. So I struggle. Me personally, I still think like that. So I'll be driving down the road and I'll see something and I'll just light them up. And my wife's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't, don't tell her. Sometimes it's so good, I do tell her anyway. I say, well, I wasn't going to say it, but I tell her. And uh, y'all got to pray for me. But I've had to watch over the years where the Lord is like, you know, I, I don't want you to just, now, that's not so bad. But there are times where it may be personal. Somebody, somebody may say something to me. Now, I'm, I got to behave. And I've gotten good about not responding fast, not saying stuff fast. But sometimes I will gratify my flesh by saying it in my mind. So I don't say it back to you. But in my head, just laced you up. I made, a, I made an absolute fool of you in my head. Ha <laughs> ha, I walk away. You know, and God told me, like, that's not, I see that. All knowing, all seeing. And so what's that mean? That means that I got to even stop that thought. And that it's not enough to do the right thing outwardly where y'all can see. He sees what's happening in the unseen. And God's like, nah, stop that, man. Don't give way to that. So, so that's the struggle I have. That's something that I, I battle with. Because my natural default is I'm bagging on folks. Now, none of y'all, I don't think, I don't look around. So, but I do that. I do that. I, I struggle with that. So y'all can pray for me. <laughs> so, eyes like a flame of fire, all knowing, all seeing. Verse 15 now. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. So we have two things in verse 15. First, uh, the feet like brass. Now, again, this is another one where people say, see, he was brown skinned. Feet like brass burned in the fire. That's 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 my color. It's not what it meant. I'm so sorry. This is not what it meant. Um, Throughout scripture, brass is symbolic of what? Judgment. Um, The brass serpent. Judgment. All throughout scripture, brass, symbolic of judgment. Now, his brass is as brass that was refined in the fire. That means it went through the refiner's fire and it came out pure, but it's brass. Now, why would his feet be like brass? Jesus came down the first time to do what? To save. He came on a rescue mission. He says, I didn't come to, he didn't come to judge the first time. He came to seek and save that which was lost. But when he comes back, the second time, what's he coming to do? Feet like brass, refined. He's coming back now. The second time, he's coming back to judge. And so, you know, we want to be clear on that. He first came, the meek, humble, lowly lamb of God to die on the cross for all of our sins. But he's coming back to judge. And so we want to be aware. So what do I, how do I prepare for that? What is, as I understand that, Feet like fine brass. Like eyes like a flame of fire. I know everything. Feet like fine brass. I'm coming back to judge. I'm, I'm, as I get this picture of Jesus, this is what you, this is, this is the right response. Since he's coming back to judge, I want to make sure that I don't fall under his judgment. How do you make sure that you don't fall under his judgment? Like we said earlier, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You receive the forgiveness of your sins. You, you let him be the Lord of your life. You submit to him. You recognize I'm a sinner. But you died on the cross in my place. You rose from the grave, conquered sin, death, and Satan, and you willingly surrender to him. You turn from your sin and you turn to him. And he will forgive you and receive you. Otherwise, he will be coming to judge you. So 
God's either coming back to receive you as his child or to judge you as one that has rejected his offer of forgiveness and salvation. Nobody wants to come under the judgment of God. We want to come under the grace of God. Amen. And so, again, he has feet like fine brass as if refined in the furnace. Then it says his voice as the sound of many waters. Uh, This is speaking of the authority of his voice. We got this image elsewhere in Scripture. If you think about waters or a waterfall or something, it's it's powerful. When he said that, that his voice is like the sound of many waters, it's speaking to this, that his voice is authoritative. And what we could ask ourselves is this, when God speaks, is it authoritative to me? Because John's here and he says, I, I hear the authoritative voice of the Lord, like the sound of many waters. Something you can't fight against. Anybody here try to fight against the water, you will lose. Um, if, if the current is strong enough, you're not going to go against the current. That's God. He said, that's what the voice of the Lord is like. It's authoritative. The question we have to ask is, am I allowing the voice of the Lord to be authoritative to me? Do I submit? Do I acquiesce? Do I yield? Is God's word the final say? Some said, you know, he's, God said it, I believe it, and what? That settles it. Do you live like that? Because sometimes there are people that are saying, you tell them, look, the Bible says this. Yeah, but. If you're a yeah, but Christian, you're not letting his word be the authority. God's word has to be the authority. Don't be a yeah, but Christian. You'll be sorry if you're a yeah, but. If you're someone that says, I know he said, but. Don't be like that. You will always lose in that exchange. God's authoritative, and you want to let him be the authority in your life. Even if you don't let him be the authority in your life, you will find that you were wrong and he was right eventually. And so it's just better that since I know he's the authority, I'm going to just submit and let him be right. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a what? A liar. And that's how it goes. So anybody that's saying something different than what he says, I'm going to let them be the liar and let God be true. Because that's always going to work out that way in the end. So moving on. Now it says in verse uh, 16, he had in his right hand seven stars. So again, here's another symbolic thing, imagery. What are the seven stars? I tell this in verse 20. If you guys remember, cheat down to verse 20. And he says, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. And the word angel means messenger. We believe these are the, the pastors of these churches. These letters went to them. And so he says, look, I'm in the midst of the church. The, the lampstands are the churches. I'm in the midst of the churches. And in my hands are the leaders. The pad, they're in my hands. Uh, I got them all. I got all. I got all the pastors. I got all the leaders in my hand. The messengers to these churches are in my hand. Then he says, "Out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength." So the sharp, two-edged sword. A lot of people immediately their mind goes to Hebrews four twelve, and that sharp, two-edged sword in Hebrews four twelve is a like a one-hand dagger with a with a sting on both sides. That's not the case. That's not the weapon spoken of here. It's a different Greek word, and it's a different type of weapon. The weapon here is a very long sword, and it was used. I was actually, it was, I, I wanted to share it with Clint. It was, it was really, Clint liked that kind of stuff, but it was actually a sword that they would use it, 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 it from side to side. They said that, that if, it was, if it was used properly, it could slice a man's torso, so he could be cut in half from the waist. You know, he could be de-wasted from that way. Uh, and then from, from head to torso, they could be split. That it was that powerful. Uh, it, was, it was a heavy, powerful weapon. But those that knew how to use it, it, it did that kind of damage. So 
Imagine slicing a man in half or from head to torso, just watching him go, whew, you know, that's the idea here. So now back into perspective, it says out of his mouth came this sharp two-edged sword. So the weapon of the word of God and throughout scripture, we know that the, the word of God is a weapon. Jesus in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, as he encountered Satan himself and dealt with the temptations, he answered from the word of God. That was the weapon that he responded from. Um, we know that, you know, God's word, that's for the believer. That's our weapon. That's what we use. Ephesians 6 tells us um, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's our weapon. It's how we fight the enemy. It's how we do battle in the spiritual realm. Um, but we're told here as we get this picture of Jesus that out of his mouth comes this sword, uh, and it does significant damage. That that sword was not used to injure. It was only used to kill. And so this is what's coming out of his mouth, uh, this sharp two-edged sword. Again, the picture is that when the Lord comes back, and we'll see this as we continue through Revelation, uh, for those that have not fallen on the side of being one of his kids, they're falling under harsh judgment. So imagine this. If it's your dad who loves you, with you know, with an AK forty-seven, it's not a fearful thing to you, but if it's your if, if the adversaries are coming, it's a fearful thing for them. Amen. So this sharp two-edged sword is, is if I'm with him and I'm on his side, this is no problem for me. Um, the Bible says that, that those that died in Christ, those that have died and gone on, they're going to be coming back with him to rule and reign with him. This is not going to be used against us, but it will be used. There will be wars and weapons uh, where God's word is put into play, and so. Um, out of his mouth, the sharp two-edged sword uh, comes forth. Then it says, uh, the second part of the verse says, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Uh, Here's just an image of the glory of God, something like what we saw in the transfiguration, that it was just very bright. And, um, you know, John here, I would imagine that if, you know, if it's like the sun shining in its strength, you can't just look directly into the sun. And so, and all of this picture of Christ, we're seeing that here we see that it's, it's his glory is, is, is on display here. It's like his face is like the sun shining all of his strength. Now, verse 17, John's response to all of this. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And as you could imagine, like anybody else seeing all that, John just fell down. Um, you know, he wasn't slain in the spirit, y'all. He, he fell down before the Lord and God put his hand on him and touched him and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. And again, these things can only be said of God. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. For anybody to say Jesus is not God, I would come right here and just say, well, who is this? Explain this. How come he is, uh, you know, he was dead. Who was dead? Only Jesus. That's, that's, who, that's who died. But he's alive and he's alive forevermore. He's going to be alive forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Couldn't just be a man. That's not true about any man. Amen. But it is true about Jesus. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Basically, says, I have authority over that. I have power over that, power over the grave, which is amazing because because he has power over the grave, he also defeated death. 
Pastor Clint was up here earlier saying how he just made a spectacle in the resurrection. He just put put Christ on display, made a spectacle of the enemy, um, triumphed over them in the resurrection. So verse 19, it says he gives now the command to John, write the things. And this is I told you guys two weeks ago, this is the key to the book of Revelation. It says, write the things which you have seen, past tense, the things which are present tense and the things which will take place after this. And you can break down the whole book of Revelation in that verse. The things which have been past tense, that's chapter one. Christ has already been glorified. That's past tense. The things which are are going to be chapters two and three. As we look at the letters to the seven churches, the church age, um, that's what is right now. Those are the present tense things. Then the things which will take place after this, chapter four through 22 are all future. Uh, all four to 22 of the book of Revelation is prophetic. It's future events. But that is the key to breaking down the book of Revelation. Verse 20, which we read three times now, it says, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands, which you saw are the seven churches. So as we close this up today and we get this image of the Lord, always as God's revealing himself to us, I believe part of it is for me to understand who he is so that I might live before him rightly, so that I might walk with him closely. And so as you go back through all the things that we we heard from John, that his voice first was like a trumpet, an arresting sound. And I ask you guys, does God have your attention? Then we saw Jesus dressed in the garments of the high priest. And we have to ask ourselves, is, is he our high priest? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If so, then he lives to make intercession for you. He's ministering. Um, he's how you're going to get to God. It's the only way to get to the Father is through the Son. He is our high priest. And so he was clothed with the garments of the high priest. His head and his hair were white like wool. We know that he is absolutely pure. And I need to remember that as I interact with the Lord, as I encounter the Lord, that God is holy. Amen. Uh, God is not my homeboy. God is not some lesser thing. He is absolutely holy. And there should be a reverence to my interactions with the Lord. His eyes are like a flame of fire. He's all knowing and all seeing. Nothing I do escapes him. Not just what I do, but like we talked about, even what's happening in my heart. Amen. So I want to I want to God, I want to check out. But some of us, we do we do good on the out. Some of y'all maybe do good on what you do. But may we need to check out. The other part that God is looking at, all knowing, all seeing, not missing anything. And so God, purify us. Help me to do good, not just in what I do, but even in what's happening in my heart, what's happening in the secret places. We know that his feet were like fine brass. He's coming back to judge. Are you saved? Are you forgiven? Are you going to come under the judgment of God? Are you, are you either? It's one of two things. Either, his, either the judgment for your sins went to the cross and you're good or judgment is coming upon you. Um, you don't want that. Uh, we want we want to let the judgment go to the cross. We can be cleansed and forgiven. And if you haven't done that, as we close, we'll definitely give an opportunity for anybody that needs to receive the Lord to do that today. We saw the sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, the word of God. Uh, again, it's a weapon against his adversaries. And as long as you're not his adversary, you got nothing to worry about. Uh, we're, we're covered. You know, it's, it's not against us. It's against those that will come against him. Uh, his, his countenance like the shining of the sun and all of his strength. Don't, don't forget that God should be, we should just give him glory. Uh, he deserves to be honored and glorified. He is God Almighty, and we should give him that. And as we close this section up, something we'll see as we continue through the rest of the book of Revelation, 
is when there's symbols and symbolisms and things like that, we look for explanation elsewhere in Scripture. So the things that God spoke earlier, the lampstand and the stars, what does that mean? He tells us right here. Sometimes we'll have to go to the Old Testament and we'll find what it means. But we just want to be, that's the model, right? We don't want to be making up stuff. We'll let God's word be the commentary on God's word. Amen. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come, and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.